Here's a quick message from one of the sponsors of this episode, Next Data. So that's Jamak's company. She wants to let people know that she is hiring. So here she is. Yeah, we're looking for kind of distributed systems engineers to come and solve these problems that you and I just talked about and building those catalyst technologies. So if you're one and you're listening, just come to our very uh, basic job site on our website, uh, nextdata.com. Yeah, and we'll, we've got a, a link to that in the show notes for all of these episodes as well. So, thank you. Yeah, I've, and and you know, from working with you uh, personally on different uh, projects and things, I, I can say it's it's a blast working with Jamak. It's 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 high empathy and high like mental throughput, but it's also like high kind of focus on what what are you actually trying to do. So, I I do recommend other folks uh, check that out as well. Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. This episode is part of a longer interview I conducted with Jamak Dagani, who's the founder of the Data Mesh concept and is sponsored by her, her company, her startup Next Data. The goal of these conversations is to dig deeper into specific topics rather than skimming the surface and really discuss Jamak's view of the now and the future of Data Mesh. What is possible now? What can we do to set ourselves up for success in the in the future? And what is our ideal picture in that future once we have the ways of working and the tooling more figured out? Hopefully, you get some great insights as well as seeing the other side of the funny and wonderful person behind the data mesh paradigm. Please do follow Jamak as well for more interesting insights to keep an eye out on what she is working on. I think you'll be very interested and excited. Now, up next, I'll give a bit of my summary of the episode, so you might focus on a few of the nuanced points that Jamak makes. Sometimes she says some things that are kind of like a picture, right? Worth a thousand words in and of themselves, even when she says one sentence. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and hear some fun music, and then we'll get into that summary. <laughs> Max Corner 24. Can we change mistakes to happy little accidents in data? This is part of a longer conversation that was recorded in March of 2023. Jamak starts the conversation about how we need to be better at data contracts, because right now the ways people are suggesting are quite fragile. We need to learn from the API contract space and stop being quite so rigid around things. We need to be able to be a little bit more flexible in data and what we accept what's actually, you know, what's okay when things change in a contract. I also included, again, her comment that we have to learn to start preparing our data for future use cases that will emerge that haven't yet. That was somewhat the promise of Data Lake, though, in my view. Collect the information and it will have value. But in Data Lake, it was, they weren't treating it like the data as a product. You know, by not cleaning and collating the data appropriately, we ended up with just a mess of data that, you know, in a lot of people's views might have value, 
but it was a nightmare to clean to assess if it even did have value. It just never really kind of met the expectations of people. I personally still think this is controversial. It's the kind of data field of dreams. You know, if you build it, will the use case come in the future? How much work should you do for the use cases that have yet to emerge? All of that. Episode 230 with Franny uh, Helferouche talked a, a bit about product discovery, but how can we actually move that to even forecasting what might come, not just discovering what could be there? I'll, I'll stop hammering this point and move on. And then there is where it gets a bit uh, conceptual in this episode and talks about things like human cognition. You know, Jamat kind of goes into one of her philosophical things. Right now, it's, it's really hard to adjust our thoughts and reevaluate past decisions when we found out a past report that we based our decision on had errors, right? People just don't want to even think about it. How can we, or, or even can we at all, change our mindset, the way humans look at, at leveraging data, and then how professionals look at, at leveraging data, to look at our past decisions as if they were not right or wrong, necessarily based on what we know now, but were they made correctly with the information we had at hand? And then I guess we can still evaluate if they were good based on our understanding at that point, right? This is almost the concept of for forgiving and accepting your past self without kind of condoning mistakes that's in a lot of like kind of therapy and things like that. Making kind of what Bob Ross called happy little accidents. Can we get there in business? Again, I'm a bit skeptical. Maybe if we leverage things like, uh, you know, Jamak talked about uh, architecture decision records, writing down what we were thinking uh, about and what we knew and, and what were our hypotheses too when we made an architectural decision. I think we need that around data mesh and we need that around data in general. Like, what did we actually think? Why did we make the choice we made? So, you know, like an example is, was the band that announced a global tour in February of 2020 that was going to start in late March and into April, you know, were they wrong? Do we base our judgment on what was known at the time versus being only focused on results? It's going to be pretty hard to move from that, but I think maybe we want to. Jamak believes we have so much accidental complexity from our inability to change our way of thinking regarding these past decisions. It's kind of a hard thing to unpack, so I'll let smarter people than me do that. Jamak made a really nuanced argument as well at the end about how we are making decisions kind of based on big batches and in big batches. And the, the bigger the batch, the bigger the chance that of that causing you know, big problems. They have a bigger blast radius, the bigger the batch. I'll dig in more to that in next episode, the, which is the final recording in this set. But I think it's a really interesting thing to start to think about of not just at the actual technical level, but the conceptual level of how do we make decisions and should they be in batches? Okay, with that shortest summary of the episode done, let's go ahead and get to actually hearing from the woman herself, Shmak Degani.
yeah, we have to kind of level up. We we can't repeat the past mistakes. So let's not be silly and fool ourselves just because we have a schema now. We have, you know, an amazing system. That's just baseline. I think we should just learn from things that didn't work out with these data contract schemas and so on, those tightly coupled data schemas, particularly very fragile. So let's learn from that. And then on top of it, we've got to now level up to uh, to, to deal with this additional complexity that we just, the data is going to be used in future um, that we don't even know what that is. And this is our responsibility today to provide the data for future um, use cases. Of course, we can't be unreasonable about it, right? Uh, build for something that will never come, but at least we can see hint of it in the horizon. Um, and that that creates like, you know, it's like fa- backward compatibility easy and then forward compatibility hard. So you have to be not only backward compatible, but forward compatible as well for this feature that you haven't seen. So that, yes, there are additional uh, complexities and I'm like, super pumped about somebody solving it (laughs) yeah this is this has been the thing but i think like a lot of why data mesh has been such a big spark for so many people is because you at least identified these challenges which which so many people hadn't given voice to them you know i i've told you the the whole um killing me softly you know singing my, my whole life with his words this is something where i think a lot of people just go I finally saw somebody getting it and putting it in kind of whole complete picture. Okay. Yeah. So I've got this, this kind of last question. That's, that's a big, big kind of conceptual question, but it's also got some tangible. And so I want to dig into it a little bit of like one thing that, that some people have started to bring up is when you go to execs, there's like, you know, non, non-data people, and you're like, we're going to do additional data. We're going to look at what you're doing. We're going to make you data informed. They're worried about people looking at their past decisions and that we're relitigating. We're going and saying, oh, you made a bad decision on this instead of collaborating with them to make better decisions as we're going forward. And kind of a little of what you talked about of, hey, we're looking into the past and we're trying to predict the future and we're doing all of these things. And like, but we talked about this a little bit as well, that there's like almost a conceptual component of doing that around the data, around bi-temporality and all this. So I want to just kind of open up the floor because I don't have a great wording around the specific question because it is this big intangibility like how do we how do we remove past this fear how do we get people to understand that this is a new space and that we're high empathy and things like that but like even data people how do we understand looking at the past but with the future in mind with the present as the focus and like it's just all running around in my head yeah that's actually really good topic. Let's let's unpack it a little bit, right? Right now, we're generating reports. Probably a pretty large portion of them are incorrect. But we are mentally and emotionally dedicate ourselves to this idea that once the report has been generated, once the decision has been made and action has been taken, that is it. Right, And if we, God forbid, we figure out that report was wrong, 
let's just not surface it because we've already made a decision and moved on. So that is an, a definition of an error and it's a mistake and nobody want to acknowledge that. And this is just a general attitude, right? Even if not talking about data. Um, updating that data would be hard and, and so on and so on. Uh, my kind of, I guess, geeky attitude to this problem is reshifting our mindset or sorry, my, my geeky solution to this attitude problem is shifting our mindset that the decisions that we make are a point in time decision based on our understanding of the reality at a point in time. So there are actually, when you think about temporality, there are two axes here. One is the axis that data changes. The weather is changing day to day. Like yesterday was rainy. Today is also rainy. I'm in the Bay Area. It's been raining quite a bit. Tomorrow is <laughs> going to be sunny. <laughs> so it's the temporality of the event, right? So, um, so that we've known for a long time. Of course, a lot of our analysis are based on that. The other time axis that we need to include both in our data, both in our decisions, is that we're making a decision based on the time of perception, time of understanding of the events. So it's usually called processing time or release time or that that's that's the time that we have processed information across a horizon of events. And at that time, we have an understanding of the state of the world. And at that time, at that processing time, we are making a decision. And once you build a system that incorporates both these times, this bitemporal time, then mistakes are just another, or correction of mistakes are just another point in time, a processing time, um, processing of information. What do I mean by that? So if we make a decision, we made a decision yesterday about the sales of the last three months and the sales look really good. We had sold all these items over the last three months. It comes the next quarter or next month. And then we look at our sales and we, un- we learned that actually we had made a miscalculation. The data was incorrect and the sales weren't that great in the last three months it was just a processing mistake. Well, we just treat that as, okay, that was the best we could do. That was an understanding of the world as we understood it then. Now we're in a new processing time. We're still processing the same data. It's a data of the last three months, maybe a few more days added to it. We're, we're processing it again in a few days. It's still the same um, um, kind of time horizon, event times that we're processing, but it's, we're processing it again based on the new understanding of the world that we have. We have an improved understanding. And now we are adjusting our course based on the new understanding. So, so I guess my, my ignoring human egos and human condition, if we look at the data as a bitemporal set of facts that we learn, one of them is when this fact happened and the other one was when we understood this fact, the time that we understood and processed it, then 
to be honest, I think it's again, it's one of those catalyst changes that will solve so much accidental complexity that we've built in our systems because it's just another, you know, it's just another addition of information rather than correction of the past. So, sorry, I wasn't very good at, I guess, addressing the human condition and why people would reject such a phenomena, but, <laughs> and I accept that they're wrong. So instead of saying like we were wrong, it's just that this data was processed and a decision was made for that moment in time. In this new moment in time, we have learned new things. And we have one of those new things that we learned was that the, the data that belonged to that particular past event was incorrect. And now we have the correct data and now we're making a new set of decisions. And that's a good thing. Yeah, I've I've got a few different things to to react to there, but like especially that cognition thing, it's it is really difficult, but it's something that I hope we can as as humans can figure out as data people we need to because people think data is either right or wrong versus it's as as good as we can get it. But one one thing that came up was there was a really good um, analogy from some show, and they it was this couple, and they were saying. You know, hey, honey, you think about how uh, how much we love this. Co- you know, they're heading into their their wedding, and they're like, you know, how we talk about how this is our relationship goals, and how much we love how this couple like works together and things. Have we ever talked about their wedding with them? And it's like, well, no, because that's just a point in time versus the evolution of your understanding of your relationship and growing together and things like that. Um, Another one that when you were talking about kind of correction of mistakes, what I was thinking was Bob Ross. Have you ever seen the, the, the painter who's got kind of the big fro Mm -hmm. and he goes, he doesn't say we, he says, we don't make mistakes. We make happy little accidents. Right. And that, that you're just correcting it as you're going along. And that I think the, amount of of time that goes between discovery with data mesh and the amount of bets that you're making on some amount of some set of data is much less right it's both you're quicker to discover these things you're quicker to evaluate yeah. these things and that you're not saying okay i'm having this project and in 2 years this will be the future of the company it's like incremental value delivery means that you're incrementally moving closer and closer and you're constantly under the assumption that you're actually narrowing in on a better and better understanding. And then the third little thing was when you were talking about like the at time of processing, like what was our understanding at time of processing? Brandon Bidell did a really good episode talking about making platform decisions and how they kind of have a decision diary. And I've talked about this in the past and I'll probably start to bring it up a lot more of leaders of your data mesh journeys. You should have an actual public diary that says like, here are my assumptions. Here are my thoughts. Here are what we're learning because then that, that takes the implicit and it makes it explicit. And then when you go back, you go, wow, I was totally wrong, but this is what we knew at that time. And this is what we learned or wow, you know, this was something that we really got really right or, or things like that. And it's kind of like, you know, making investment decisions and, you know, Hey, what did you know at the time? What was, what was the right thing? And then all of a sudden you have new information that you couldn't have known, or, you know, I I use the, obviously the COVID example a lot, but like, 
decisions that were made in January and February of 2020, looking at them based on the results as of May 2020, you know, somebody announces a huge concert series that they're going to go worldwide in uh, through, you know, April and May and June, and especially, you know, in the countries that are in lockdown, it's like, of course that, that flopped because there were externalities, but you couldn't have known that based on what you knew, it was the right call. So I I liked a lot of what you're saying, but we do kind of have to solve for the people (laughs) aspect, which is, is hard. Yeah, I think, um, you know, one thing you said there was that we are making faster just-in-time decisions or near-real-time decisions. And I think the reason why some of these mistakes can, can be so catastrophic is that we're making these batch decisions, right? The, lo- the bigger the batch, the bigger the impact of the mistake in the batch and the bigger opportunity for mistakes in that batch. So, um that's why, like data mesh, in fact, is um, it, it, naturally when you th- when you look at this input output port and subscription based. And I had actually a long rant in the book, <laughs> I suppose, a chapter around serving data in this bite temporality immutable streams. In a way that enables a more near real time kind of decisions, because as as soon as the data becomes available upstream, and that data could be a fixed mistake of the past data arrived you know recently when a, according to a new processing time or it could be a completely new data both of those result in kind of a decision downstream a data product downstream so the smaller the batches become you know the less surface area for errors and um, uh, the recovery from those errors are um, require less effort so I think is one is kind of moving from these big batches to more stream-oriented um, analytics and ML. Um, and the other point that you mentioned around like keeping a history of decisions because our understanding the world over time changes. And I think that's, again, in software architecture, we call them architecture decision record, records. And there's a whole bunch of like tooling around them in GitHub and so on. Exactly for that is like think it beyond yourself or think beyond your present self that you're going to come in future or people after you're going to come and look at why you made decisions and you made these decisions based on understanding the state of the world in that moment. Um, so I think, again, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly biased towards developer and software engineers because of I've just been one myself in the past, but we've got, you know, pretty good practices that can be extended. Um, like what you mentioned, like this diary of decisions uh, and so on to be extended even to executives and to leaders um, in the data space. So thanks again to Jamak. As a reminder, please check out her startup, Next Data. There's more information about it in the show notes. They're doing some pretty amazing things. She's hiring lots of folks, looking to partner with others, and just kind of check it out. And as for me, please do follow up with me as well. I'm pretty easy to find. I'd love to chat Data Mesh or anything kind of in the data realm. Check out datameshunderstanding.com for more information, some useful resources and things as well. And Jamak and I both wish you an excellent rest of your day. Now with that, let's cue that inspiring outro music.